Welcome to episode 258 of the All the Books Show, the official podcast of the David A. Howe Public Library, where we talk book news, author news, and literary news. I'm Eric Mickles. And I'm Nick Gunning. How are you today, buddy? I'm good. I'm thinking back to our early, early, early just starting shows where I think we used to say this is our your one-stop shop that, for we book did. news. We did. It, it just didn't make any sense. No. It was an early catchphrase. shop? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Luckily, it never caught on with the fans, so we were free to change it. Yeah. So. Yeah. One could say that about the show. Yeah. (laughs) Sadly, the catchphrase, I don't know, it's your baby, really seemed to resonate with people. And even though I don't really find it funny anymore, we have to say it every episode. So. I know. Yeah. It's it's weird what people like and what they don't like. Anyway, today we're going to be imagine we're going to be asking you to imagine your story because that's the same. Th- My gosh, you, I, a, you okay? I'm so, I'm just waterlogged. I I went yeah. out to take the uh, the clothes off the line here because I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's getting dark, and I got it was like I jumped in a pool. That's how that's how wet I was. Fun, and the clothes were still soaking wet. So it was like, why did I even do it? Yeah. Why don't you know my glasses are all drippy? It's a whole thing. But anyway, today we're going to be inviting you to imagine your story because that Mm -hmm. is the theme of the 2020 summer reading program. How do you feel about that theme, Eric? You you, Uh, you can speak candidly. I that's true. I'm not responsible to. I'm responsible to no man. That's right. Uh, No, it's it's a fun theme in mythology. I mean, it's. I don't even know if I could safely say it's a like a theme that like in the YA juvenile zone has run its course yet. I still feel like it's still kind of hot. Like Percy, Percy Jackson is still one yeah. of those books. I think that like Harry Potter just keeps getting new fans. Yeah. Like a rotating conveyor belt yeah. of, uh, of new fans throughout the grades. So I don't know. And I mean, mythology has always been like cool. Yeah. I think maybe I... I'm speaking from personal uh, experience there, but I've always thought it's, cool i feel like the, there's a there's a difference between like the percy and i this is not an open invitation for you to rant about the harry potter fandom because i know how you feel mm. but i do feel like the like the experience of reading harry potter is a lot more like you have to be a harry potter fan you know what i mean like there's there's a lot that's like wrapped up in that whereas i feel like with something like percy jackson like you read it you enjoy it you look for similar things i just i don't know you base f- your entire life around it <laughs> You worship the person who wrote it but to the d- point where when they say destructive things, you lose your own identity. Uh, and, and, oh, wait, wait, what are we talking about again? Yeah. Tolkien? Well, don't, you th- don't you think, though, that like the, like the Rick Riordan fan base, don't, uh-huh. I, to me, it seems like when I see kids interested in those things and when I see what sort of like springs up out of that, it seems like that, for whatever reason, is more like encouraging to try new things and try other things. Maybe, yeah. I don't even think about like a Rick Riordan fan base yeah, or I know. Percy Jackson fan. I don't. This is the first time I've ever heard such a phrase. But you're absolutely right because now, I mean, like it is, the Rick Riordan presents is like a big deal. You know, yeah. like that is yeah. uh, that's and that I think it's a little younger than YA. I would say J. Yeah. But why why are we giving all this free? Uh, segment yeah. stuff away at the yeah, top I've of the show. Your, I've seen your public speaking fee, Mr. Rick Riordan. Mm. Th- that's the last uh, free advertising you get from us. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I figured we'd talk about it a little more in the segment. Oh, uh, we probably have to. Yeah. Okay. All right. But but we are going to be talking I'm not about for it. <laughs> we are going to be talking about uh, just mythology in fiction and nonfiction in general, uh, and, and we're going to have a pretty broad. 
uh, you know, not just not just sticking to uh, specific like Greek or Roman mythology, but American mythology everywhere. Let me ask you, you know what? American mythology. Save it for the save it for the segment. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, boy, I'm exhausted just from this uh, preamble here. Do you want to let's let's listen to that bookmark theme and just let it let it wash over us? Okay. It's relaxing, don't you think? The way it all coalesces there at the end is sort of a a nice relief, wouldn't you say? Yeah, coalesces. Yeah, (laughs) thank you, thank you. Um, Have you been doing any exciting reading uh, since we last spoke? Uh, Oh boy, I haven't. I finished. What book did I finish? The the one about educated. I've yeah, finished educated. Tara Westover's educated, and like I've just been. I I haven't really been. I'm supposed to go back and read the uh, Fires of Heaven, uh, but yes. I I just haven't picked it up uh, this week. Yeah, hey, so there's that and the Glass Castle. You're on record of saying that you were going to read a chapter a day. I know, and I fell behind. You got to get back now, on. Like you anybody get back who on sets board. up a daily reading yeah. log, I'm just like, oh no, now I'm. I've got this like time sunk yep. thing going on. So anyway, yep. I am. I just need to put some more bubble bath in the tub and yeah. get right back lavender. into it. You lavender. You're a lavender yeah. man. I love the glass castle. You are talking Jeanette Wall's glass castle? No, you're did not. I say glass you're, castle? You did. You're talking about the glass what? house. Glass house. Okay. Yeah. No, All right. I don't I don't think I would like the glass castle. I also like the glass menagerie, but mm, yeah. Both th- both of those are about broken families. Yeah. Hmm. I but I did read Alan Moore's top 10. Okay. Graphic which, novel is you know what it's it's much more positive than you would think coming out of an alan moore thing like it's funny it's it's fun it's got some serious moments but it really feels like alan moore is almost doing a love letter to superheroes which i don't know if you can necessarily say when you read something like watchmen no or v for vendetta that's right i was trying to remember like all the things that i've read by him but yeah yeah um, I, I love listen we can't we can't talk about Alan Moore without me saying how much I love whatever happened to the man of tomorrow yeah, I think that's yeah, just one of the of best tomorrow, Superman stories that's out there yeah uh top 10 is uh is pretty good 12 12 issues real deep dive into this world where everybody has a superpower but the main people we're following is the police unit there bounces around alternate worlds uh there the guy in charge who's always like telling them their assignments of the day is just a dog a super intelligent dog that has a robot body that lets him look kind of human but hmm. he's really just a dog i think i saw um, that movie with tim allen was in that right yeah yeah it might have okay. been turned into that tim allen movie this the shaggy dog okay i i like it i recommend it to anyone really I read Castlevania, The Belmont Legacy by Mark Adraco, which is a uh, comic book Konami published in 2005. A couple issues of a Castlevania adventure that's not very good. Doesn't have the vampire action I want. Doesn't have Castlevania action I want. It's a, it's a real Castlevania. Castle. Castlevania. Castlevania. You like that one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Castlevania. Right. Really. Okay. Yeah. Right. me. Uh, you could you could have gone with Hasselvania also because it was yeah a I didn't want read. you to think that uh, David Hasselhoff appeared oh in, man like why? David Hasselhoff wait 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 how what? is there not a David Hasselhoff vampire movie hmm how is there I not know. I I don't know I'm gonna call his people because he's never on that Baywatch uh, Nights where they deal with vampires right no he is he's the lead of Baywatch Nights oh so does he ever deal with vampires in that you know one? what 
Good point. I think he probably does. It gets real okay. supernatural real fast. Makes no sense. Crazy. It is crazy. crazy. I, well, I know if it. Baywatch is in the same universe as Home Improvement, 90210, yeah. and All the Days of Our Lives. Yeah. So that's crazy. Just I guess so. Yeah. That it, whole it, universe. Yeah, it's a, it's a thread you don't want to pull on with Baywatch Nights. Absolutely. I term, I'll say this because I remember, uh, if, if listeners remember, I did do a rant uh, that was slightly out of my control at one point on Terminator Dark Fate. Let me ask you this. Was that when you were editing the podcast or when I? Because they may or may not have heard it. Uh, gosh. <laughs> you were editing it? Did no, you I, take out my entire no, rent? No, I certainly, I certainly didn't. No, I didn't. It, it would have been, been totally in your right, and uh, <laughs> I, it would have made sense at that point. It, it was a tw- anyway, let's... To say, I like other Terminator things because yeah. I just picked up Terminator... Uh, Tempest, which was a Dark Horse uh, comic that they put out in 1990 before Terminator 2, that was pretty cool. Terminators go back in time because some humans went back in time, and they're all going to try to... Humans are trying to stop Skynet from coming to be, and the Terminators are coming to stop them. So it's just this group in 1990s L.A. A lot of explosions, a lot of gruesome action. I, I dug it. But also, I wanted to say I picked up Usagi Yojimbo... Volume twenty six. Oh, no, we have uh, we have several of this uh, in the collection here. Yeah, uh, the first four volumes, yeah. anyway, and they're they're uh, they can be a little rare to find the uh, earlier Usagi's, but that's it for me. Okay, all right. I didn't so watch anything. Are you? Oh wait, mm-hmm. I watched that movie with Will Ferrell and uh, oh the Eurovision thing. Rachel McAdams, yeah, yeah. Thumbs up, thumbs down. It was fun. I wouldn't say it's funny. It's oh. not really a comedy. It's more about. Eurovision is a good time, so there's just a lot of like fun performances, and so like the humor kind. I seems like you'd get a lot more if you were into Eurovision in general. Mm-hmm. General, like we had to look up the rules and how Eurovision works, and we watched like some performances of some of the past winners to see what they were spoofing and whatnot. But it seems just like kind of a feel good movie about Eurovision. But Pierce Brosnan's in it as yeah. a grumpy old dad. Fun. So, okay. Yeah. All right. That's it. Okay. Uh, let's see. So, you know, I actually finished this one last week and I, I skipped over it on my list, but I do want to mention Far Beyond the Stars by Steve Barnes. So this is, it's, it's actually an expanded novelization of a Deep Space Nine episode and it's a really unique story. It's, it's, um, Benjamin Sisko, who's, who's the commander and eventual captain, uh, stationed on Deep Space Nine has this whole parallel life where he is a sci-fi author in the 1950s and it's very much about trying to like live your life and be a successful writer as a black man in the 1950s and it was just a really powerful read and uh we we discussed this in a book club so uh, i along with three of my friends have been doing this book club for a couple years now where we're just reading Star Trek and Star Wars books, just light, fun stuff. Uh, basically just a reason to chat, like, every month or so. But mm-hmm. in the last couple of months, we've we've really, like, tried to commit to only reading diverse authors. And that is hard to do in the Star Trek, Star Wars realm, I've learned. Uh, it's a lot of, like, white male authors <laughs> in those worlds. So what it's done is sort of made us read some more like off the beaten path type things like we wouldn't normally have read a deep space nine novelization but it's by the author steve barnes who is a pretty pretty well respected sci-fi author just in his own right naacp Mm -hmm. award-winning author Uh, a lot of stuff out there Uh, you know respected author um so i was kind of surprised that here he's writing this uh deep space nine novelization but we were all just blown away by it 
and it was it was moving now you know at the at the time we're living in there were some things that was like geez mm-hmm. this book is supposed to be like the 1990s looking back like in shame on the 1950s and it just really felt like that's uh, what we're living in now you know so yeah. it was like that ended up being a really heavy discussion because it was Fine. just so <laughs> i know but it was it was very surprising so i i recommend it because honestly it is like 90% not a deep space 9 novel it, right. 90% of it is just a story about a group of people working at a a sci-fi magazine in the 50s you know and it and it can be simple things like they're doing a staff photo and they ask they ask benny who is the the cisco equivalent uh, to skip that day to be homesick, and then they ask uh, one of the women writer who just uses her initials. They ask them both not to come because they don't want the readers to know that there's a black man and a woman writing the stories that they like. So it it can be like as it can be that, or it goes you know it escalates all up to some serious mm-hmm. violence. And it was just uh, it was a uh, it was a difficult read. It really was. So we were sort of both pleasantly and unpleasantly surprised at the experience of reading that book. But okay. it is Far Beyond the Stars by Steve Barnes, and I have it on good authority from my colleague Tina over in the Cuba Library that the episode it's based on is also pretty amazing. So, hmm. anyway, would you say Maze Balls? I wouldn't. No. Okay. Not I don't any, think you've ever said not that. under any circumstances would I say yeah. that. No. Uh, moving on to some lighter things, I read the latest in the DC Superhero Girls series, Powerless. So this has been a popular series over in the junior graphic novel section. It's yeah. uh, you know it's meant for that age, probably ten to twelve. But I've always had a good time with this series, and I like this one as well. I finally buckled down and finished the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. You did it. The Hunger Game prequel. Hunger Games. And. I, you know, I'm, I'm, it's with a heavy heart that I report that this was kind of a chore to read mm. because I loved the Hunger Games book. This Game is books. the third book of the series? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I was, I guess I'm in the minority there where I was pretty pleased with the third book okay. uh, in the original Hunger Games trilogy. But no, this is set following the character of Snow when he is, uh, eh, you know, like 20, I would say. Yeah, maybe a little younger. Maybe a little younger than that. And he is. It starts with him being like a mentor for somebody in the Hunger Games. But the thing is, as much as I like the author, I like the writing, I like the world, it just all felt very done before. You know? Mm. And it like, like was in... Lady song. Yeah. It was in three different segments, and it was like better or worse, but I just feel like tying it so closely to a Hunger Games was just like, I've read this three times, and it was better the first time. So... I was ultimately pretty disappointed in it, but the last quarter, maybe, did kind of win me back. Uh-huh. So it pushed it up to like a three-star rating. But this is not required reading by any stretch of the imagination. I think if right. you're a completist, you got to read it. But I just, I don't know. I don't think you're going to get much new out of it. The, ra- the reviews have been pretty, pretty positive. So maybe I'm just a, yeah. a grump, yeah. but, you know. It's all been done before. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm currently reading uh, The Captain's Daughter by Peter David. This is a Star Trek book that I checked out pre-quarantine and has been Whoa. on my shelf, I know, for like four or five months, I feel like, at this point. Yeah. And uh, I keep meaning to get to it, but then I'm like, oh, I got to read the, I got to read this book for the library, or oh, I got to read this mm-hmm. book from, you know, the book club. I just keep kicking it down the road, but I'm finally reading it. I've been wanting to read it forever. It's about Sulu's daughter, Demora, who you see briefly in Star Trek Generations. 
I'm liking it so far. Yes, I'm, a, I'm a Peter right. David fan, so uh, I am enjoying that. Yeah. I did watch a few things. I've not seen Eurovision, but I watched a movie called Starfish. Do you know this movie? Mm-mm. Written and directed by A.T. White, starring Virginia Gardner. It's on Hulu. It is... You, even by the end of the movie, I wasn't really sure if what we were watching was like literal or if it was an allegory for like grief and suffering and, and like overcoming that. And right. I'm pretty much siding on the fact that it was just allegory. But mm. it was really intriguing. A lot of it was just, you know, one character sort of isolated in a town. Uh, and I thought it worked really well. I liked it. It was weird. It wasn't what I expected. And it, it's not something that I would just like freely recommend to everyone. But if you're in the right, right zone for it, I think uh, there's a lot there. Right. Finally, I watched Palm Springs, directed by Mark Barbacol, oh, yeah. written by Andy Sandberg. I Sarah. to watch that. Andy Samberg, Kristen Melody. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I loved it. It was yeah. it was a perfect movie for this time. I feel like yeah. So I I was a big fan of that. I, I keep meaning to turn that on, but it just doesn't happen yet. It was good. It was it fun was, though. Yeah. I hear nothing but good things about it. No, I don't really have any complaints. It was a cool ninety minutes, and it was just uh, funny and fun and interesting. So a yeah, cool no complaints. Yep. All right. Yep. Should we take a look at some book news? What's going oh. on in the New York Times bestseller list? Yes. You know what I didn't mention? I also read a Lunch Lady book. Uh, you oh, remember yeah, a few weeks back when you were temporarily replaced as co-host. But some uh, people, yeah, what the heck? Do I, do I have to worry about my position? I'm sorry. You weren't available, and it was a pressing uh, pressing moment. I needed someone to talk to me about the Lunch Lady series. I hated um, how I found out. I, listeners, uh, I found out I was replaced as soon the same time you did. To, listen, to be fair... We had another interview scheduled for that day, and you said you were not available for that day. So I already knew your availability. I didn't know that was going to well, happen, though. I'm sorry. Goodness. I'm sorry. Anyway, after that, uh, I, I mean, he said, he said, get it right now. Make sure you get this book. So I had to do it. But I read it, and it was a lot of fun. So I, right. I can see why it's as popular as it is. It's a cool adventure, and it's funny. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's a well-done story. Slopper anyway. Joe's a sloppy, sloppy Joe's. Yeah. Hoggies and grinders. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, I've been watching uh, the. We're on season five of The Simpsons right now, uh, and like nine hundred two one zero, I I've seen all these episodes, and Kendra hasn't seen any of them. Uh, but it's definitely one of those things. Like, boy, if I could if I could bring back any anybody, it'd be Phil Hartman. Yeah, yeah. So and that and and also uh, Chris Farley. If I could bring back two people, it'd be Phil Hartman and Chris Farley, and then it, that, the list. The list ends. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Hard line. You didn't maybe need John to, Ritter. You John didn't, Ritter. You didn't need to make such a hard line. You know what I mean? You could have just I'm said sorry. those. I'll bring are, back. All right. You you could have just said these are two that I would bring back, but you were like, even right. if I had the power, I yeah. wouldn't. Okay. Phil Hartman, Chris Farley, John Ritter, and others if necessary. And others if necessary. If I have the power, and the list goes on beyond those three. Okay. Anyway, all right. Uh, let's see what's on the New York Times bestsellers list for young adult hardcover. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's no. Um, you can't see the combined print and whatnot. Oh, okay. This. Cool. The printed. So we'll see what the hardcover is going on let's with the young it. adult section. I'm going to guess songbirds and snakes, and I'm going to guess a lot of Angie Thomas. Well, let's see. Number ten. Clap when you land by Elizabeth Acevedo. Hmm unbeknownst to each other two sisters meet when their father dies in a plane crash oh yeah. mystery sisters yeah like they didn't know about each other right that sounds fun i liked poet x all right do you like that one 
Uh, yeah. Okay. It's good. Uh, I guess it says they meet. Maybe they're not mystery sisters. Maybe they oh. know about each other's existence. But you said unbeknownst to them. Unbeknownst to each other. Ha! You're right. So yeah, I think that maybe. Is a mystery. Yeah. What a twist by going back. If it's not, <laughs> I blame the New York Times for awkward wording. Number nine, Children of Virtue and Vengeance by Tommy Adama uh, Ediami. It sounded uh, good so for he, a minute there. You said yeah. Children of Virtue, and I said, they, they sound nice. And then you said in Vengeance. And vengeance, I was like, well, yeah. That's, there's two, yeah. There's that'll, always another that'll side bite you. point. That'll get you. Zalima Stop the Threat of Civil War in Orisha. The Betrothed by Kira Cass. Oh, good for Kira Cass. Lady Hall is bright, and King Jameson are set to be married, but will a commoner steal hollis's heart that perked you right up when you found out it was kira cass well yeah she's got the uh whatever the series is about the girls that get to be rich well i'm glad i brought it up yeah <laughs> number seven uh selection? Of... is it is she right the selection series the selection series thank okay. you hey yeah. i'm not even a i'm not even a ya librarian nor have i ever been so yeah that's true extra points uh number seven chain of gold by cassandra clare uh cordelia battles demons in quarantined london that are nothing like she's encountered before 19 weeks on the list yeah, how are people i bet they're a little like some of the ones we've seen before yeah i'm also kind of just like why boy people are reading that description saying quarantine london all right that's, yeah let's do it crazy crazy sci-fi idea let's do it uh, number six, I'm not dying with you tonight. Maybe I enunciated that weird. I'm not dying with you tonight. There we go. I, there's no comma, so it's not, I'm not dying with you, or I'm not dying with you tonight. Okay. You're just giving alternate line readings? Yeah. You're yeah. just Chris Walken all of a sudden? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not dying with you tonight. Oh! Uh, Does he do it, the O a lot? Because your impression of Chris Walken always ends with the O, but I just don't know how common that is. I don't know if he does it at all, yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. You you got one in the... You got a line reading here? I'm not dying with you tonight in a uh, celebrity voice? No, I can't top your Chris Walken. Elvis, Elvis Presley? No, nah, it's all right. John Travolta? <laughs> no, no, I, I'm going to take a Mr. pass. Mr. Carter, I'm not dying with you tonight. Oh! <laughs> I like it. That was good. <laughs> That was good. Right. You're always real, uh, real specific with the Welcome Back, Cotter when you do Travolta too. That's the other thing. The Have thing. you even seen Welcome Back, Cotter? No, no. But that's your go-to impression of Travolta. That he's always, yeah, he's he's always in that classroom. See, I go Saturday Night Fever. Whenever I'm doing Travolta, I'm like, hey, I spent a lot of time in my hair. You hit it, you know. Like that's the Travolta era no. oh. that I go, you know. All right, I'm not dying with you tonight. Two girls, one family. Uh, two girls. One black and one white form a bond during a racially charged riot. Okay. Yeah. We had a lot of fun with that title and it yeah. uh, got serious real fast. Yes, it did. Yes, really it should did. We should have known. Yeah. Uh, number five, The Damned by Renee Hadehey. Do we want to have fun with this title before we find out what The Damned is? No, are? I think we better find out. All right. The forbidden love between Bastion and Celine flourishes, but with dire consequences. Number four, One of Us is Lying by Karen M. McManus. Man, this is still here. Yeah. And the sequel isn't. Yeah. 129 weeks on the list. One of Us is Lying by Karen M. McManus. Five students, a detour in detention ends in murder. No. Hmm. All right. Number three, Hawk. Ooh. By James Patterson. Oh. Jimmy Patterson. Jimmy P. Jimmy Jimmy P. P presents. 
Yeah, this says this just says, and I'm looking at the picture. Oh, nice try, New York Times bestsellers. James Patterson and Gabrielle yeah, uh, Charbonnet. That's what I thought. Yeah. First came Maximus Ride. Then came Marriage. Oh. Uh, let's see. Ten years after Maximum Ride, a new hero emerges in a post-apocalyptic New York City. Listen, the whole post-apocalyptic thing, I'm over it right now. I don't You're have time it. for post-apocalyptic anything in Over it. Okay? Yeah. Give me a fantasy or sci-fi world where... The nature is flourishing, yeah. and there's a lot of uh, humans and and nature have have blended together, and we're we're all getting along, and we're in some far future. I won't believe you, but I'll enjoy the fantasy. I was trying to think of the word for something that is not post-apocalyptic. That's like why you're in the apocalypse, and it uh-huh. took me the whole time you were talking about nature to realize that that's just apocalyptic. That's all you have to say. Or pre. Okay. No, no, I'm talking about while it's happening. While you're in the oh, zone. Right. It's not pre, yeah. it's not post, we're living it. Yeah, that's the thing, too. Apocalyptic. Yeah, aren't they all just apocalyptic? I guess apocalyptic is like as it's happening, right? Yeah. As you said. Boy, yeah. I'm just repeating things now. Right. Post, Never- is when, post is when the dust is settled, and our dust yeah. is still right up in the air. Yeah, yeah. Right Number in two, that air. The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. Called it. year girl sees a police officer kill her friend. 170 weeks on the list. Number one, Stamped by Jason Reynolds and Ibram X. Kendry, an exploration of racism and anti-racism in America. No songbirds and snakes. No songbirds. Yeah, I don't. Interesting. I wonder. That has been kind of a while now, but maybe I guess I just assumed because YA books, you know, have the staying power that they do on the list. I thought that one would yeah, be there for a while. It's but not on the paperback list. Huh. Well, it's not in it's paperback, no. It's only a couple of months Not old. in just the hardcover fiction for adults. Interesting. Maybe uh, people just don't... Yeah. Aren't getting into it. I guess they maybe aren't. Yeah. Okay. Summer reading program is upon us. Yeah, imagine, July. Imagine your story. No, and or care right now, but it yeah. is July. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, it's August, actually. If you, if you, if you want to get technical, it is August. So, wow. as soon as you look at a calendar every once in a while, Jack. Uh, let's talk mythology. So, By the time this episode comes out. Yeah. Okay. I, I was starting to freak out there because I'm looking yeah. at my calendar. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Yep. No! Yep. This is the August 3rd episode. Oh, you know what? No, my calendar is set for July. Okay. Oh, okay. Cool. Anyway, August cool, cool, 3rd. Cool, yes. Cool. Continue. Sorry. Yeah. So, the theme this year, I mean, it is pretty open. Imagine your story can mean many a things, but yeah. uh, it's been it's been mythology based in the um, that's, I don't even know if that's true. It, it, <laughs> I was going to say the marketing has been primarily mythology based, but it's kind of gone overgone some transformation since they first announced it. Um, but we're kind of looking at it as as a mythology based program. So, like we just did uh, we just did our book club on Circe by Madeline Miller. And that was kind of like, that was sort of the benchmark of like, here's the kind of thing that, you know, we're looking at as far as like what we're considering mythology. But let me ask you this. Would you count the things like, like what I read, like, would you count folklore? Would you put that in there? Like Tristan Strong punches a hole in the sky, had a lot of like Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, had a uh, High John and uh, uh, John Henry, that sort of thing. Would you lump that in there? I mean, I don't care about American mythology. You don't care about it. Our Johnny Appleseeds, our Pecos Bill, our okay. Babe in the Blue Ox. I wow. mean, it's not really mythology because did it's early nineties Disney teach you nothing? <laughs> it's I mean, it's folklore, but we all came up with it like two hundred years ago. Yeah, so we know. 
you know? Right. I don't know. Uh, no, I've never been super into that outside of that one movie, The Tall yeah. Tales. Yeah. Uh, what about Indian? Yeah. What about Indian in the Cupboard? Yeah, that was fun. That's fun. Is it? Is it Listen, Pecos? Don't you see Pecos Bill, or is he just a cowboy? Or is he just oh, a nondescript cowboy? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Well. Listen. Okay. Uh, I'm not being fair. Uh, American Tall Tales can be fun, but yeah. when I think of mythology, I tend to. Uh, not include them okay but you can't yes well then i, I think I, we say we'll we'll use the umbrella of mythology and folklore what about like uh what about like arthurian legends like the knights of the round table all that yeah i guess you have to because that's uh that's ba- like you said it's it's a uh, arthurian legend it's basically uh the mythology of britain of yeah. you know england yeah so okay yeah. All right. Take me into this, like, from your perspective, because I know that you, I feel like you've done a lot more reading on this than I have, because you read that uh, Edith Hamilton. Yes, right. Edith Hamilton. I, I read Edith Hamilton's uh, mythology. Uh, wow, maybe I was sixteen when I first really? read it. Really? Why? Yeah. Why did it and appeal to you? I just dug mythology. Really? Um, and the whole thing is that it's like a condensed mythology. You know what I mean? You yeah. can read it and just get through uh and learn the basics of mythology i definitely in school i liked when we were learning about mythology a bit more than some of the other stuff we were learning about and this was uh post-school for me so i was it was just kind of like my own reading that okay. but yeah it was just i mean they're proto superheroes for one but there's sure. there's all this like random drama but it's also <laughs> because like they're not told like we tell things now they were just told and then told again, and then added to, and then retold, and all this stuff. So it's like, it's almost <laughs> convoluted, uh, like the convoluted canon that I dig when I get, like when you start digging into like Star Wars, and you realize all these characters are related to all yeah. these other things, and all this expanded universe, and you start getting into Greek mythology, it's not too far from that. Like, okay, where does this line up? What was, what was doing this? How does this fit? So. Yeah, you know, I don't think that I ever really... This was never something that was like a part of my life growing up. It was never something mm-hmm. I like thought about or was particularly interested in. I don't think I ever, I can't really remember ever talking about it in school. I saw Disney's Hercules. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so classic mythology has not been something that has ever really been mm-hmm. like in my wheelhouse. So I just have never really gravitated towards it. But it sounds like you have. Yeah, I mean, it. it... I think it stems from when I was a kid and I started playing Age of Empires and you started and you were playing as like the Greeks and the uh, Egyptian and the okay. Babylon. You'd be playing all these ancient civilizations. And then in sixth grade, we started learning about these ancient civilizations. And like I really perked up. I'm like, oh, these are the these are all the civilizations I was playing in my game. And like so I was really fascinated with like ancient civilization and ancient history. Yeah. And then you start learning about the mythology of that and becomes kind of an extension mm-hmm. of that. Like, Oh, I'm into learning about like ancient Greek and ancient Rome's uh, Romans. And so then you start learning about their mythology because of that. And it becomes like, it, it's, it's so long ago history wise that it almost feels fantasy sometimes when you're learning about like the Greeks and the Egyptians and everything. And then you add in all the fantastical elements of the mythology. It just, I don't know. It just becomes its own big thing. Okay. So outside of the Hamilton yeah. book, like what else, what else uh, like drew you in? Like are there other things that you've read or things you saw as a kid? Yeah, that I mean, there was this massive mythology book that I own that's in my other room. I got this massive, massive ancient civilization and mythology book. One's green and one's orange. I got them from like Barnes and Noble. They were just massive. And I got those maybe like when I was 20. Okay. I don't remember if they were on sale or not, but I was like, I'm going to get these and I'm going to read them. 
probably got that dinosaur book I'm looking at right now at the same time. Basically, it was just great. seventh or eighth grade. Our English teacher was like also showing us this movie, so I saw that. Uh, I saw Clash of the Titans, the eighties. Oh, okay, like Harry Hamlin, school. Clash of the Titans. That's yeah, fun. and uh, the Jason and the uh, Argonauts. It's, it's just these like fun big adventures that they're not really history, so you get to do ridiculous things. Something about the Greek pantheon is fun. I mean, that's where you get into like the proto superhero kind yeah. of stuff, Zeus and. Uh, Aries and all that kind of stuff. It all just creates this like really weird, fantastical, strangely political system. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just like I'm trying. I'm thinking back of like I feel. I really feel like the Disney Hercules movie was like the first time that I really was confronted with a lot of those things. Like I think I just sort of knew the basics, you know, about like mm-hmm. who Zeus was and all that. But to know the story, I feel like I've heard that. Mostly from like George Perez Wonder Woman comics <laughs> and yeah, yeah, he, he uh, Disney's Hercules right but, into that. Yeah, the the um, that's no joke. I mean, the George Perez Wonder Woman stuff is almost more Greek mythology, Greek mythology than Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say another like big influence on it. I think is gosh, I don't know how old I would have been. I might have been fifteen or so because K. A. Applegate wrote her twelve book series Everworld. Uh, in that, it's four kids, maybe five. Anyways, one of there, there's this girl, Celine, and she's a witch. And she ends up bringing these four people, her half-sister, uh, these two guys that were there. And I don't remember how they relate to everybody else. I think one of them dated her at one time. And then her her then-boyfriend, David. I think I got those character names right. Okay. Uh, they I trust all, you. And they, they end up getting taken into this world called Everworld. And basically, it's this fantasy world where all the mythologies that we've ever told are all living in this world together. But mm-hmm. there's this, if I remember, there's an alien race that's coming in that eats and kills and eats the gods. Yowzer. And so, like, that's part of it. I don't remember that so much as, like, the kids, uh, they're teens at the time because it's a young adult series. Okay. They're, like, just interacting. Like, every book, they're going to, like, this new place and interacting with this new myth and legend. And, uh, like, the gods are there. The Gosh, I think the Knights of the Round Table are there. Uh, Norse mythology is presented, like, at the first book. So it's all just young adult tour through this bizarre version of all these myths. Okay. Yeah. I th- see, I was always more interested. The reason why I asked you about Arthur in the beginning is because that's something that I have always been interested in. Mm-hmm. I've always liked that story and its various versions, probably dating back to like the Sword and Sword Stone. Sword and Stone, yeah. You know, which is, I, I watched with my son not that long ago, and he did not dig it as much as I hoped that mm-hmm. he would. Crazy, but the wizard duel is so fun. I know, it is really fun. But, I mean, that's always fascinated me. I mean, that and I'm even even like First Night with Sean Connery and uh, Richard, Richard Gere. I'm waiting for you to say a kid in King Arthur's court. Oh, no, actually. I mean, I've, oh, okay. I've seen, I have seen that on stage, but I was right. never really a fan of, I don't think I read that illustrated classic. No, no, no. The like nineties movie where like, the oh, kid goes, oh, it's a Yankee right. cause he's, you're he's right. On the Yankees yes. as a kid. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's the, yeah. With the kid from uh rookie of the year. Probably. Yeah. He's yeah. got in his backpack that he took to baseball has everything he needs to survive. Good. He's just got a flashlight too. Good thing. And he's got a CD. Remember, he knocks a guy off a castle by blinding him because he has a CD and he reflects light off the CD into the guy's eyes, and the guy falls off, falls off the castle. I don't know. I don't. I feel dumb. like I haven't seen this movie. He vents a bicycle. I've definitely seen Rookie of the Year. If you want to talk about Rookie of the Year, 
That is but, some American mythology, yeah. Okay. Is yeah. a knight's tale, does that deal with Arthur at all? Uh, like no, I think that's... No, just I think it's just regular... Uh, just knights yeah, in general. Knights. Okay. Yeah. But right. no, that, that myth has always been interesting to me, and I always like yeah. seeing that when it pops up. There are yeah. two books that I read uh, that I that I particularly liked. The first I one I don't think was I've ever read anything. Arthur the King by Alan Massey, and this starts way early, like when... When Arthur, who is known as like Wart, really throughout the book, is from the mm-hmm. beginning. This is more of a. It's certainly less heroic, um, and is written. Alan Massey is like known as a historical novelist, so it's you know the point of this book was to be like really historically accurate with the times and everything. Uh, it was dark in places. It, it like it didn't pull any punches or anything like that. But uh, I thought that was that was a really interesting one. And then I also really liked uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's like big epic poem, "The Fall of Arthur," uh, which Christopher Tolkien put out uh, several several years ago. Now mm-hmm. uh, it was a good Reed's Choice winner when it came out, but um, I like that as well because there's just something about that story and those characters that I'm always drawn to. I really I really yeah. enjoy that. Did you like uh, First Night, Connery? I don't think I've seen it. Really? Oh, that's no. good. I bet, I've seen Dragonheart. I bet Connery. that holds up. I bet that holds up. So in terms of like reading actual myths, like because all the books I have usually are summaries of the myths. Okay. Uh, but I have uh, I did read the Odyssey at least like whatever was in my literature book in school, and then again when I was older. And I, Odyssey is one of those. Uh, the Odyssey by Homer. Yeah. Is one of those. Uh, yeah, we tried to get stories. him on the show. I remember. And we, yeah, you told me he's uh, unavailable. Which yes. is Too bad. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but it's just one of those. It's just this like. You know, that's a crazy adventure story that has like all these scenes, like with Cersei in it, or with the uh, the Cyclops and everything. So like that feels like you know an actual adventure story that you can read like from beginning to end that I, I really got into. And also um, Neil Gaiman, who loves yeah. his mythology, uh-huh. was playing around with his mythology. So I guess my first Neil Gaiman interaction with that would be any of the mythology that he included in Sandman because uh, this was before I probably even read a thing with Thor in it in uh, Marvel Comics so throughout Sandman I mean he's just constantly bringing in all these stories and myths and the whole thing is the idea of like the eternal nature of stories and the power of stories and everything so like all the gods and characters from everything have existed in some form even if it was just a story and they they interact in that and i think it was the beginning of any interest i had in norse mythology because you learn a lot about greek mythology yeah and uh you know because of that roman mythology um as a kid i think schools tend to veer away from the uh ancient egyptian gods because it gets so weird and sexual all the time (laughs) but also i feel like they they never really. I don't remember ever hearing much about Norse mythology. You know. Uh, yeah, true. The death of Balder or Loki being pinned to a uh, a rock uh, as a uh, snake venom hits his eyes and all that stuff. That's intense. Um, but yeah, I think Sandman was the first time like I really started interacting with Norse mythology. Okay. And um, that I mean that carried on because Odin is a main character in his American Gods story. Okay. And that's basically when we settled and we've all come to America, we took all our stories and gods with us. So it's it's interesting because, like, Odin in America is not the same Odin in uh, Norway it, okay. overseas. So there, it's just these these gods that are basically really having to slum it a lot because nobody really pays heed to them anymore or yeah. worships them anymore. I mean, there's new gods that are appearing, like, 
the god of internet and television and all this stuff, all these new like tech gods. So it's a, uh, but it, yeah, it's interesting. It's a weird book, American Gods. I don't, I haven't watched the show, but that also really had a lot of Norse mythology. So, and then he wrote that book that I haven't read, just Norse mythology. Yeah, which was a, uh, which was a big hit for a while there. Yeah. So I think, I think Gaiman, uh, Gaiman's heart really lies in Norse mythology, past all the other stuff. I really feel like. It, it it comes back to comic books with this too, where oh, yeah. where Marvel Comics is is like the primary reason why I know about North Norse oh, mythology yeah. well, at all. Walter Simonson, I mean, that's kind of how George Perez did that Wonder Woman thing. Walter Simonson's like, you know what? Let's really get into this Norse mythology yeah. with Thor, and they certainly do. Yeah, I also yeah. loved uh, the Ragnarok show on Netflix. You got to give that a watch. Oh sometime. yeah, you were I talking love, about that. I love to hear what you think about that. But no, it's you know, that. It's uh, it's Wonder Woman, as I said, but about yeah. Shazam also is just like dripping with mythology with his, you know, his name is an acronym yeah. for, you know, Hercules and all, Zeus and all that. Um, um, so a lot of I it points back to comic books, no surprise. I mentioned top 10 and there's an issue where they're they're called to a homicide in a bar and it's Balder. Balder's been murdered and they're like trying to solve it. And when they finally do solve it, they realize that this happened yesterday and the day before that and it always happens. And oh. like as they're like, oh, this is dumb. We should just leave. Like you hear them saying like, hey, let's play a game where we throw things at Balder. And then you hear Loki like, hey, give me that for a second. And so it's just this repeating story of it. Yeah. But back to like Ragnarok, that was also something that always kind of like struck me that like Norse mythology has almost an ending compared mm. to like the other the other mythologies that have their like end world thing but I feel like Norse mythology really gets into the, like the you know this is all coming to an yeah. end and we've got the story for it there, there seems to be a difference like the every like the Greek gods they're still flawed because that's you know they were written to teach and everything so they, they've got all these flaws and everything but there is something even more human about the norse mythology gods it seems mm. like mm -hmm. you know they're viking mythology so that's that's going to be different than like a very intellectual and uh you know capital of the world as greek and roman mythology would be yeah we've uh, before we move on from from comic book background here uh, completely uh i know you and i discussed this a little bit over on comic book coffee break but let's talk for a minute about marvel's hercules Hercules. So <laughs> Hercules is as a character as Marvel has kind of dipped back into this well several times over the years, but it yeah. kind of starts with Bob Layton's Hercules Prince of Power, uh, which came out in the eighties, which deals with Zeus uh, marooning Hercules like on another planet as a yeah. punishment rather than putting him on earth where he would be a God. He puts him yeah. where he's in a level playing field. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that's a fun use of the character, you know, yeah. because you're used to seeing him have like this major leg up where he's just like, you know, is a god. And yeah. the nice thing about the, the Marvel stories from the 80s is that he, he is still in pretty good shape. You know, he still yeah. is he still is uh, most likely going to win, but it's interesting to see him on a more level playing field. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's kind of a fun use of the character. Well, yeah, it is. It's fun. It's this... It's... It's not really a myth, a mythology tale. Like if you wanted to read like Marvel's take on Hercules's like trials and stuff, it's not really that. It's this. It really is this like big Star Warsian, yeah, uh, crazy comic book sci-fi adventure with like just a lot of different aliens. Hercules constantly learning that he should be thinking first instead of hitting first, and it goes on for like it has four issues, and then two years later another four issues, yeah. and then five years later a graphic novel. 
that brings so, it all together. Yeah. And it's in the far future, so it's not like continuity based. If you don't know what's going on in Marvel Comics, you can still read it today. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Well, what's fun about it, I it's think, fun. is that like even though it is it is you know these these absurd settings i think it is still pretty true to the character of hercules mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like it is the hercules that you see represented throughout yeah. uh you know mythology and and the different way the characters use like the core of that character is still true in these yeah. uh, bob layton marvel books but they're, they're pretty uh, fun i like marvel's kind of funny because they have hercules who is an actual character in their stuff and he's like an avenger he's a champion he's had his own title and like the other char- the other uh, Greek gods will interact with him. I mean, Ares, the god of war, was part of the New Avengers, and then he was part of uh, Norman Osborn's Dark Avengers. But, I mean, when it comes to gods, Marvel's head over heels in love with the Norse mythology. Yeah. And I think that stems from, like, Stan Lee just really loved mythology in general when he was writing the comics and really got into uh, including that stuff with Thor. But, I mean... In this day, I mean, Odin and Thor and Loki, they're just, like, in it. I mean, Thor and Loki are just in the Marvel Universe. That they're, It's yeah. not even, like, an offshoot where you're like, oh, Loki's this character who sometimes... Like, he's just one of the main characters in Marvel. Yeah. And, you know, Thor is an Avenger. And they've, you know, they've been in the movies and everything. And it's just kind of crazy to think that Marvel's been able to take all that in yeah. and have their own, like... Yeah, this is a myth. this is Thor and Loki and Odin, but there are Thor, Loki and yeah. Odin. You know, well, our, like as I said, our our book club uh, over the summer reading program has been Cersei by Madeline Miller, mm-hmm. and this is one that came out in in 2018. And if you remember, mm-hmm. it was like it was on the New York Times for a long yes, time. Like we just we hadn't really heard anything about it, and then all of a sudden it was just like the top of the list and stayed yeah. for a long time. It it was up for the one of the Mythopoeic Fantasy Award nominees mm-hmm. in twenty nineteen. It won the Alex Award with the ALA, nominated wow. for the Women's Prize for Fiction. It won the Goodreads Choice Award for Fantasy. This was just an incredibly popular book on a topic that I wouldn't really have guessed to be uh, you know, viable for main mainstream fiction. Were you surprised by that? I mean, yeah, I guess constantly kept trying to figure out what it was yeah and why it was uh having the effect it did i know i felt the same way and what i think is so the thing that i that i feel like has made it so universally enjoyed because when you look at the ratings i mean they're off the charts people seem to really like this books no matter like where they're coming from or what their reading tastes are it Mm -hmm. really seems to cross a lot of divides there and i think what's so appealing about it from a storytelling standpoint is that it is taking all these characters that you know of it's got like the upper echelon gods and then it has sort of like the supporting players that are like the lesser gods you know like dukes and duchesses essentially mm-hmm. but what what i think sells it so much is that even though that is the subject and that's the world that you're living in it is written in such a way that it just feels like it could be really like written like everyday life you know she manages mm-hmm. to somehow take the fantastical elements of it and make them relate to how like you would feel in a relationship or how you know you, you are don't know how i feel the, <laughs> you know how people are relating to their families or whatever yeah. it's yeah i i just think that that has given it a charm and and a, a broader audience than it might otherwise because it's not a heavy book but the relationships are just so real and so dynamic that it's just very engaging and very readable so right. i think it just took a lot of people by surprise it was a fun one to do for book club yeah. I mean, sometimes 
The Witcher and Hellboy get into other folklore slash mythology. Uh, Yusagi Ojimbo will do a lot with uh, Japanese folklore and mm-hmm. the creatures they, you know, those, uh, I can't remember the name, those creatures that have like a hollowed out head and there's water in it. And they, they're always trying not to spill the water yeah. uh, from their head. So just, there's all, it just shows up in everything. Yeah. The one that I read most recently, which we talked about in a past episode, so I, you know, just, I'll just touch on it briefly, was Tristan mm-hmm. Strong Punches a Hole in the Sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that is by Kwame Mbalia. And uh, like I said, when, when I was first reviewing it, What's interesting about it is that you just hit the ground running. You know, it's it's very... I keep comparing it to Wizard of Oz, even though that's a very flawed uh, comparison. But, but I say that because, like the Wizard of Oz, you get a little slice of life, and then your character is tossed into this world that's completely different from what they're used to, and they just roll with it and, like, power mm-hmm. through and just take the things that keep happening and keep going. And that's what, that's what Tristan's doing. And I feel like the book does a really good job of incorporating American folklore and African myths and, and putting them all, weaving them into a story that that is really complementary to each other. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. the stories that they choose to focus on, myths and folklore, go well together. And it also works as a character piece for Tristan, where he's really trying to come to grips with the loss in his life and being in a place that he's not comfortable with. Like it has a lot of those universal feelings as well. So I, you know, I feel like that would be a really popular book once people can come into the library and check it out again. Luckily the sequel's coming out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's (laughs) yeah. Later this month. And I, I do feel like I I'll pick that up eventually because, um, I did cook through this one pretty quickly. Right. Uh, but it was a lot of fun, and it was it was uh, you know like John Henry and those type of characters who I'm mm-hmm. only vaguely familiar with. It was nice to really because of tall tales, there. pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. Well, that's mythology. Yeah. Well, it's the been a, it's been an interesting uh, summer reading program for many reasons, but yeah, I think this topic is a good one because it it's allowed us to sort of look at things that we might not normally. I don't know, do much focus on or do a lot of programming about, but I know Kate's been incorporating a lot of mythology into the children's programs and I liked it. You know, when I yeah. first when they first announced it I was kinda like, Okay, well that'll be interesting. Uh but it ended up I think working really well. So it's yeah. uh, it's it's led to some cool programs, but mm-hmm. Well, in the in the spirit of library news, as we're talking about it, we're we're closing down on the summer reading program here. You've got a little over a week to go on that, so we are still doing the weekly prizes for all ages. So you can stop in, and it's not too late to participate. Get your free bag, get entered to win the grand prize. Uh, join us for some programming. We're going to be showing some films outdoors. We're looking forward to that. Uh, Kate's doing her weekly story time Friday afternoons out on the front lawn. So lots of different ways to use the library. You can always come uh, use the Wi-Fi on the front terrace as well. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, place your books on books and items on hold. We're, we've been getting books and DVDs this whole time. So we are stocked up and ready. So place those holds or give us a call and come pick them up. Are you going to go and watch some mythology thing now? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I do have to tell... I forgot to tell you this. I finally saw the Hercules Aladdin animated series crossover. And it was oh. a, it was a pretty good time. Okay. It was a pretty okay. good time. Yeah. I'm glad you, you finally I, checked yeah. that box. It's post-Aladdin and the King of Thieves. Yeah. So it's like the latest you ever see Aladdin. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. I'm, I'm happy for you. you well, thank you. Thank you. Finally get to see thank the you. extended Aladdin universe. It felt like you were feigning interest, but I but I oh, appreciate yeah, your, your genuine interest. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it then for this week's episode of the All the Books. So, wouldn't you say so, Eric? I don't know. It's your baby. <laughs> the fans demand it. They really do. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. 
Wait, were we going to talk Rick Riordan? Eric? Eric?